Welcome to the Pomegranate Astrology Podcast. I'm your host and astrologer Antoinette McKenzie and you can find me and my work over at pomegranateastrology.com. In this episode I'm going to give you a bit of an overview of the time-space weather this week leading us into this new moon in Scorpio on Monday the 13th of November. That's Australian time. So maybe grab yourself a cuppa or tipple of choice and settle in. Because it's been a complicated and intensely challenging month, astrologically and otherwise. Scorpio season's well underway, but last night, on November the 8th, Australian time again, Venus alighted in Libra. And this is one of the highlights in a tricky, astrologically spiky month. It's been many moons since Venus was in any of her domiciles. In fact, I think it was back in March that she was in Taurus. So it's really nice to see Venus returning home. And Libra is Lady Love's day or diurnal home. Libra is a cardinal sign. It's very active or yang by nature. And here we encounter this kind of balance of light and dark. Because Libra is symbolically turning towards the dark. I see Venus enthroned in Libra as akin to her at the court of Versailles. You know, Venus wanders through elegant galleries and salons, conducting diplomatic negotiations, political matchmaking via the channels of artful wiles and wit, social and relational intelligence. Hers is an elegant, courtly dance. It's very light and airy and graceful. It seems very easy, seems superficial, but it's not. Beneath it all is a strong, steely pull towards equilibrium, justice, harmony, perfection, smoothing over and seeking justice with grace and compromise, all with that dynamic cardinal resolve. Now, there are a couple of factors with Venus and Libra that still point to the wobbly weather we're in. As Venus is this bright, fierce morning star, warrior goddess, it's co-present with K2 or the South Node. K2 can have the effect of diminishing, of draining or pulling away some of the beneficial qualities of Venus. But that's something that happens down the track with Venus in the last decan of Libra. And so we'll see, that could be interesting. But in the early degrees, Venus showing up in Libra may just be that lightening up and sense of relief that we might need right now. Even if it doesn't deliver everything we'd hoped for, you know, nothing ever is. It's, it's still this turning towards a greater enjoyment of life, the arts, harmony, relationships, socializing with others and appreciating beauty. Which, let's not underestimate that, because beauty medicine is a thing. It can be greatly healing and replenishing. A world without art or beauty would be very bleak indeed. So Venus and Libra can offer us this, at least until December 5th, when Venus transforms into Persephone and she enters those obsidian caves of Scorpio, descending into the dark to join her lover Hades. When the balsamic moon in Libra joins Venus on the evening of November 9th and into the 10th, this actually makes for a very refined relational reverie in which we can banish those impediments to our peace. And on the 10th, Mercury dips into Sagittarius where it's in exile, but it's an optimistic, far-seeing Mercury. I call this the shaman's or channeler's Mercury. Just make sure that what we're channeling is worth our time and sharing. There's a reservoir of vast wisdom and visionary capacity available to us with Jupiter's ruled Mercuries. But the flip side of those is getting a little bogged down in the soup or in dogmatic or pompous ideologies, regurgitated philosophies or 
cultish self-help manuals maybe we may need to be mindful and discerning around our ideas and what we're taking in at the time and getting enthusiastic about but it is a very uplifting mercury after this dark season now apart from venus's flourish in libra the flavor of the month is decidedly marsy still with mars in its traditional home of scorpio very tightly configured to the sun right now as it heads towards a Kazemi, which means at the heart of, in on the 18th of November. It's a very crucial moment of the Mars two-year cycle. It's essentially a reset, the fiery death of Mars as it enters the heart of the Sun at 25 degrees of Scorpio and is reborn. So it's very much like a phoenix rising, which is one of the archetypal associations of Scorpio. This moment occurring for Mars in its own sign is symbolically potent because Mars is so empowered it has a level of protection from the Sun's burning rays. We're still passing through the eclipse shadow which is something that's said to prevail until the first lunation following an eclipse and that lunation happens to be a new moon at 20 degrees of Scorpio. But before we look more closely at that new moon in Mars let's have a look elsewhere. Let's have a look at Saturn as well because we're getting close to this next seeding phase which is also closely related to the eclipse sequence. Back on November the 4th, which wasn't that long ago, it was last weekend, we had Saturn stationing direct at zero degrees of Pisces after a very long retrograde beginning back in June. I mean that's normal, Saturn takes a while to do everything but Saturn entered Pisces back in March of this year and it only managed to make it to those first seven degrees of Pisces before it turned and started backstroking through the unfathomably dark turgid waters of that first decan. Saturn churned up the deep trying to drop anchor and plumb the depths of Pisces because Saturn wants to know where the edge is, the farthest shore, the bottom of the sea. Saturn wants to delineate the boundaries and the limits. So if you've been feeling a little bit lost during that retrograde time, a bit foggy and uncertain about the goals and plans you might have hitherto been really set upon, it's not surprising. There may even be a sense of feeling a bit lost in the mists of time, losing, losing time and energy for, for efforts you formerly were making. People I've chatted to about this have also told me how tired they've felt and even a little burned out. It's as though they've become aware of their own tiredness that was already there, that maybe Saturn in Aquarius hadn't alerted them to. It just kept going. So there's been a bit of floppy fish syndrome, caught in a bit of a loop and not really even being sure what it is you want anymore. It's especially so though with, with those mutable placements, so not just Pisces but anything you might have in Gemini, Virgo or Sagittarius. It's also possibly compounded when we add the pressure of self-criticism, you know, of trying to bring in a steely, white-knuckled linear Saturnian discipline that Pisces struggles to meet. It's not effective that way. It dreams differently. It makes things happen differently. It wants passion and creative or spiritual purpose. So when we had Saturn in Aquarius it offered us that sort of offered us that purity of purpose, that kind of relentless crystalline trajectory of commitment and discipline to a cause or a goal, a long-range vision. But in Pisces, we're asked to kind of question some of that and what the higher purpose, if any, of our plans might serve that. You know, are we spiritually or creatively nourished by those plans? 
Do we need to approach things more creatively and imaginatively? Is there space for adapting, for the body, for healing, transcending limits we may have imposed on ourselves or found ourselves confronted by? So this is where we begin again, so to speak, in this part of our lives, at this ground zero of Pisces. We've got another chance to work out, recommit to our plans and goals, and the ones that we really connect to and feel are meaningful. We may begin to see what lies ahead and what actually we really need to do to sort out whatever problems we might face and structure things more carefully. So now we've created this braille map of the oceanic dark, you know, Saturn's pretty slow right now. Again, it's treading water around the zero degree marker for some time to come. It's definitely being toned by a very slow, methodical Jupiter retrograding back in Taurus. Very slow and purposeful. So Saturn is only going to be reaching three degrees of Pisces by the last day of the year. And then after that, it begins to gain considerable momentum. Like 2024 is going to represent a much kind of faster moving pace but that's another story for another time all the while currently in the background bubble bubble toil and trouble it's it's been sawen as well there's been a powerful aspect with the potential for disruption unpredictability subversive outage events and it's been steadily rumbling and that is mars and scorpio opposite uranus and taurus now uranus is otherwise known as our fire stealing prometheus who I refer to as Sir Suddenly. This is a major feature of our new moon. It's perfecting the day after this lunation, so November 14. And this is a very rebellious warrior spirit. It may intensify unpredictability or a need to break out or cut away from something, find new, unusual or original solutions to old stuck problems. It can be very motivating, very invigorating, but there's also a flip side. The moon in Scorpio is a fallen moon. It's a night seer, glittering and obsidian, not desiring to be visible. It doesn't seek the light of others in order to be itself. This moon is fearless with sightless depths and knowledge drawn from intuitive perception. By nature, it's a powerfully instinctive, untrusting, protective moon. It's a Mars-ruled moon. But this lunation is intensified and charged with a warrior's sting because it's so closely conjunct its ruler in its traditional domicile. So that Mars in Scorpio is a ninja. It's a hunter's Mars, strategic, subversive, stealthily intelligent. Even more so perhaps because Mars is hidden by the sun in what we call a combustion. And when a planet gets so close to the sun, it's said to be burned up, its power is burned up and invisible. Well, Mars is not so much burned up, it's protected because it's empowered in its own temple, but it is more hidden and opaque. And this Mars has an extreme will to power that carries immense patience and focus. So we might be asking with this new moon, what actually is up here that we weren't aware of just yet? Moon-Mars combos can be uncomfortable and prickly. So we've got this soft-bodied, hugely emotional moon jostled by a heavily armoured soldier Mars combust the sun. So, yeah, symbolically I don't love it, but, you know, there's, we'll see what happens. I'm also not trying to spike fear because 
There's nothing to fear so much. It's just to stand back and observe calmly. Mars featured in our last eclipse. Uh, it was more loosely opposite that full moon in Taurus on October the 30th, but with this new moon, Mars is definitely more tightly configured. So as well as being directly opposite Uranus, Uranus so that's where we have that extra volatility. It's, it's, that, it's very invigorating, as I've said, but it's also inclined to be aggressive, erratic, potentially shocking, sort of forceful rebellion or emotional reactivity. And that's actually what I would be checking to see, you know, what we can maybe look to to watch for. Now, the Sabian symbol for the new moon uh, at 20 degrees Scorpio is 21 Scorpio. That's how we read the Sabian symbols. Uh, it's kind of the next one up. <laughs> and that is a soldier derelict in his duty, conscientious objection. A soldier heeding his conscience not to harm others, despite this being against orders or a dereliction of duty. So I'll just kind of leave that there, perhaps. With all that we've covered here so far, I'd be suggesting just gently we watch for boundary leaks. And that's what Saturn has alerted us to. Attend to those. Because there may well be, and certainly already is, a lot of emotional reactiveness and a climate of extremism, even fundamentalisms clashing in small and large ways on in the ether. Uh, people might be feeling more triggered and prone to overreact or get fired up and all the wrong or rather ineffectual places. So we might ask ourselves, and this is to quote Charles Eisenstein, what is ours to do? Shall we take a leaf from Venus and Libra and think about what we might look to create perhaps, or what we can do to promote peace in our own lives and with others? even as we may feel helpless or upset by events, whether they be personal or global. Now, Mercury is currently in Scorpio. So let's have a dash of Mercury in the mix and have some real talk for this new moon, because it's also relevant for this rebirth of Mars as it reaches a fiery Sagittarius on the 24th of November. And that is that arguing and being reactive on the internet, like maybe steer clear of a bit of that, it's a total waste of precious time and energy that can be spent fruitfully elsewhere. Because let's face it, you've seen it, it doesn't help. It does nothing but engage in fruitless wars of destruction waged by the minions of outrage. And it steals from those who participate. It swallows vast tracts of time. And so instead of maybe spiking cortisol and anxiety and wasted conflicts, where nothing of any material substance has changed, maybe we could seek out more nourishing connections in relationship with others leaning into tender interdependence and vulnerability because vulnerability is a kind of power and it's an act of trust and love. The desire of our will is something we can harness in Scorpio season with great effectiveness and with a searing sense of focus and purpose. It's a good opportunity to harness that energy rather than dissipate it and more than that when we consider the astrology of the moment, it's perhaps crucial that we find constructive outlets or expressions for that energy, engaging in skillful means rather than turning on one another or just stoking our anxiety with plugging into that 24-hour newsfeed. While Venus is in Libra, we're offered a blessing, some kind of grace. It's the rosebud in the scorpion's new moon. Let's not allow the worm to eat the bud before it's flowered. 
but perhaps we might craft a new creative practice, a new movement practice or an offering of beauty, creating little sanctuaries for yourself and others, embracing creativity and acts of creation as acts of generosity, life generating life-affirming impulses that are counterpoints to destruction, not a cure or a fix for them, but certainly counterpoints. Scorpio is a nocturnal feminine or yin sign. It's powerfully fertile and creative. It desires truth, not flim-flam. And what's really compelling about it is it doesn't waste anything. Time, resources, energy, even waste itself. It uses what we think of as nasty or unwanted. It can, it can heal and transform. And it can heal and protect what it truly cares for. Its poison is a potent medicine too. It's both the needle and the stinger. And Scorpio transforms waste, darkness, into life-giving nutrients. So with this magnetic, psychic and sensitive new moon, we can really choose to transform some of those dark, difficult emotions and thoughts, turning them from poison into medicine. And this may be some of the unfinished business that's left over from those huge eclipses that might be able to help us seed something new from them, especially as we approach that death-rebirth process of Mars in that Kazemi. So check your house of Scorpio to see where the themes of this new moon may be emerging. So I'm going to leave you with that for now, winding up this eclipse season If you wish to check out any of my astrological services, then please feel free to visit my website, pomegranateastrology.com. I also have a newsletter you're welcome to sign up to. But until next time, thank you for tuning in and I wish you all a very safe and happy new moon and my warmest wishes to you.